Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we have the classic, the classic, the definitive definition of faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, as it is rendered in the New Revised Standard Version. Now, it's, the, the NRSV is a superior translation. It was first published in the late 1980s based upon superb textual manuscripts that date back to the then earliest uh, accessible period of the New Testament text. It's rooted in advanced understanding of the original languages in which both the Old and New Testaments were written, Hebrew and, and Greek. It is an excellent translation, but it's not perfect. No translation of the Bible is in any way, shape, or form even remotely close to being perfect. They are all in need of occasional, sometimes extensive tweaking and help. That's often what you get when you have a, the work of a committee, because these translations in the modern times are all the product of committees of scholars gathered together to study the manuscripts and to study the language and to debate and talk about and vote on what the best rendering or the best translation of especially difficult passages might be. They are compromises, if you will, in translation. And this is one of those points where the translation in the NRSV probably really isn't the best. Um, now, strictly speaking, it's not wrong. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The words assurance and conviction are ideas that are contained in the original Greek words being translated here. And they do relate to the ideas that are being conveyed somewhat, somewhat. But I prefer the rendering as found over in the good old King Jimmy. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The word substance translates hypostasis from the Greek. And that word hypostasis means the essential or basic structure or nature of a thing. It's fundamental identity. There's a word in philosophy, the ontological, boy, that's a big word, the ontological meaning or substance or thing of a thing, reality of a thing. That's what the hypostasis is, the substance, the that which that is. Faith is the that which that is of things hoped for. The evidence, elegkos. The Greek word is elegos, and it's the act of presenting evidence for the truth of something. It's a legal term. It was used in legal parlance at the time. When you enter something into evidence, you do so to prove your point. You, your eventual goal is conviction or to be found in favor of, yes, indeed, of your argument, but it's the proof itself that's in focus here. It is the evidence, the proof, the substantiation of the substance of things not seen. You see, faith is more than just belief. It is more than just a statement of thoughts or ideas. 
beliefs without evidence or proof of substantiating information isn't faith or religious faith. Faith as a thing is belief that is rooted in trust. And you have reasons for trusting something or someone to be true. And you have to have that trust before you then act on it. Now, every year when I preach on faith, I sometimes preach on it in its verb form. I often preach on it in its noun form. Today, we're looking at it in its noun form. But the same illustration applies in both contexts. Those of you who were at St. Stephen many years ago have seen this sermon, I don't know, four or five times. This is my second time here at Lakewood. It's a chair, right? Made of wood, has a nice cushion for the posterior. It's solid, it's strong, it's held me before, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. It's a nice, strong-looking chair. You know, I believe, I really and truly believe that that chair will support my weight. I'm a pretty hefty guy, but I really believe that this chair will support my weight, that I can sit in it and it will not collapse underneath me. I believe it. I really and truly believe it. But you know what? I think I'm going to go over here and sit in John's lap. You ready for me, John? (laughs) Is that faith in the chair? Shake your heads no. It's not. It's not faith in the chair. It might be faith in John's lap, but it's not faith in the chair. Faith in the chair is taking my belief that it will hold me, that it'll support my weight, taking that belief and putting it into action by actually sitting in the chair. That is faith. Faith in the chair. Taking my belief that it'll hold me and putting that belief into action by actually sitting in it. Until I sat in the chair, I may have had belief in it, but I didn't have faith in it. My past experience was that it would hold me. I've seen chairs just like it hold other people. I've seen this chair hold other people. My own experience was it held me fine. But until I actually exercised that belief and sat in the chair, it's not faith. That's the essence of what faith is. That is the substance in action. And the proof therein, the evidence therein, is both the experience in the past and the actual experience functional in the present by taking the seat. That is the substance and the evidence of faith. Faith in action, faith in practice. Faith is belief put into motion. Belief that leads to a response. 
a physical response, an emotional response, a spiritual response, a response. That's faith. Action based upon belief, sustained, supported, substantiated by your confidence in it, that it will do its job. Religious faith is very similar. You can believe in God, you can believe in Jesus Christ, you can believe in the power of grace, you can believe in the power of God's love, you can believe in forgiveness, you can believe in all of this stuff. But until you take it, that belief, and put it into action, you don't have faith. You have belief, but until you act on it, you don't have faith faith. And that's the challenge that the author to the Hebrews was talking about, the challenge that was faced by all of these characters throughout the entirety of the Hebrew Scripture that are listed. And there's a lot more listed than what I just read about. I just touched the surface with Abram and Sarah. Abram and Sarah, they heard God's promise that Abram and Sarah would have children like the stars up in the heaven and the sands by the seashore. In other words, uncountable number of descendants. And yet they were both old. They were both really old. And Sarah had been barren throughout her whole life. And they had never had any kids. And yet God promised they would have descendants. And they didn't have them. And time went by and they still didn't have them. They took Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, and Ishmael was born between Hagar and, and Abram, and, and God said that Abr uh, Ishmael will be blessed, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and Sarah. You will have a child. And you know what? These super spiritual, faithful people of the Hebrew Scriptures, they laughed at God. Both of them laughed. At God. In one scene, Abram falls down, he's laughing so hard. And in another one, Sarah in her tent hears it and she starts to cackle at the thought, the idea, the, the presumption that she could possibly have a child. God's crazy to think that that is possible. The reality went against what God's promise had been. The reality challenged that promise. Faith called them to act. Faith called them to both trust in God. Faith called them both to confront the reality of life, which witnessed against God's promise that they would have kids. Faith called them to remake that reality in which they lived. Faith calls us to do the same thing. The reality around us often challenges us in our beliefs. It can be hard to believe that we're not alone in difficult times. I've been in hospital multiple occasions in my life and I can remember being absolutely, completely, utterly and totally alone. No family, no friends, no one, no colleagues, no one there. I'm there alone at night 
Yes, there are doctors and nurses around, but they're not what I'm talking about. I just feel absolutely, totally, and completely alone. And, and when those times come, I, I remember, I will never leave you or forsake you, God says. And even though I felt forsaken and alone, I heard those words echoing in my head, those words of promise and the calling that God had on me to trust, to not be afraid, but to trust in God's presence. And I will confess to you, when I had my pulmonary embolism back in 2000, and I laid in that ICU unit all alone. Fear was really strong. And my trust was really weak. It can be so difficult to confront the reality with the promise and have faith. To trust in God even despite the reality which speaks volumes against the promise. Abram and Sarah and, and all the other characters who are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll come back at some other time and, and, and talk about many of them, not today. They all were confronted by circumstances that spoke against the promises of God. And it says that they never received those promises, but they still had Faith. We have received the promise in Christ, and yet we're confronted by a reality that denies the love of God, denies the faith. Our reality is one of living by violence and hatred and rejection and subjection and Racism and sexism and discrimination and abuse of power and abuse of position and authoritarianism and dishonesty and corruption and manipulation and I could go on and on and on. That's the reality that we see around us every day in our world. And God calls us to remake this reality. Christ calls us to be part of God's remaking of this reality into God's reality of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5 is the reality that God calls us to remake within ourselves and in our communities by faith, trusting in the grace of God. It's a very different way of life than that earlier list. Very different expression of existence the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's not easy. I know it's not easy. That non-seen part of faith can be very scary. It means sometimes taking steps 
when you can't see where your feet are going to land. Or sitting in a chair that you're not looking back at. And you just plop down into it. A great illustration of faith, one of the greatest illustrations of faith I've seen in recent history in movies, was found in the film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Indiana, played by Harrison Ford, has to cross a deep chasm. And there's no visible way to walk across it. His eyes can't see anything but empty air between him and the other side. But he remembers reading in his father's journal, and his father was played by Sean Connery, he was an archaeologist too, and he had written a journal in which he described how to cross this chasm, and it says the, the man of faith will walk across without sight or something like that. And so he looks out and there's this chasm and he can't see anything, there's nothing to walk on, but he trusts in his dad and his dad's brilliance and scholarship and he puts out his foot and then he commits himself and goes forward and then as he goes forward his foot goes out and it lands on an invisible ledge, a ledge that is camouflaged across the chasm, camouflaged that he couldn't see it from where he was standing. Camouflage that it looked exactly like the wall across room. And then they move the camera and then we can see it. But it was there all along. But it took him trusting in what his dad had written to stretch out his foot and walk out into what looked like empty air. Taking that leap, that step of faith, was rooted in his trust of his dad's scholarship. Likewise, we have to take a step of faith rooted in our trust of God. Trust that is rooted in Scripture and in tradition, experience and reason. Trust that is rooted in our experience of the reality around us, sometimes lying to us and other times being true. For example, the reality that this chair would support me. One of these days I'm going to do that illustration of the chair and it's going to bust underneath me. I just know it. <laughs> it didn't today, thank God. Trust is like that. It calls us to confront the reality around us with God's reality. God's reality, which transcends this one and calls us to participate in establishing God's new reality, a reality of love and grace and peace and hope and faith, a reality that is governed by the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, not the flesh and sin, a reality that is governed by God's love. Let us be about acting in faith. Let us be about living by faith. Remaking this reality into God's reality by sharing love, by being a community of love and acceptance, affirmation, and welcome. A community that approaches the table of the Lord and eats by faith and drinks by faith and knows the love of God's presence in its life. Let us be a people of faith, exercising, remaking 
this reality into God's reality. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.